know that palm branches were waved and laid on the ground for Jesus to make his entry into the city. An entry that surprised some people and an entry that pleased other people. And so we do this as a form of preparation for all that is to come. So let us now um, be in a prayerful mind as we bless these palms. We praise and thank you, O God, for the great love by which you have redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. On this day, Jesus entered Jerusalem in triumph and acclaimed Son of David and King of Kings by those who scattered their garments and branches of palms in his path. Bless these branches and those who bear them that they that we may ever hail Jesus as our Lord and King and follow him with perfect confidence. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Welcome, my friends, forward to the confirmation class is going to uh, distribute palms to you. So if you would like um, a palm, make, your, make that aware to them. They're going to do the middle, the, the center here first, and then they'll go over to the sides. And if somebody could run upstairs, too, when you get all done, that'd be cool, too. So, Joel, are you going to... Everlasting God, in your endless love for the human race, you sent our Lord Jesus Christ to take on our nature and to suffer death on the cross. In your mercy, enable us to share in his obedience to your will and in the glorious victory of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. trouble. My eyes consumed with sorrow, and also my throat and my belly. And my ears with sighing. My strength fails me because of affliction, and my bones are consumed. I am the scorn of all my enemies, a disgrace to my neighbors, a dismay to my acquaintances. When they see me in the street, they avoid me. Like the dead, I am forgotten, out of mind. I am as useless as a broken pot. For I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. But as for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. The second reading is taken from the 12th chapter of John, verses 12 through 16. The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived for the feast 
heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him. And they cheered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the king of Israel. Jesus got on a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture has it. No fear, daughter Zion. See how your king comes, riding a donkey's colt. The disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at the time, but after Jesus was glorified, they remembered that what was written about him matched what was done to him. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Okay, we'll try that again. How's everybody today? Good. See, when you want them to be looking down, you know. <laughs> so, um, today is Palm Sunday. What do you guys know about Palm Sunday? Tell me something. Molly. Why do you think they did that? Why'd they put the stuff on the road? The, their, their cloaks? You know, their, it was a parade, but what were, why were they making the road special? Um, have you ever been to a wedding? You know what they do? What do they pull, what do they put on the aisle for the bride to walk on? Yeah. Yeah, a special one, right? Usually white. Well, it's the same kind of thing. They were making it special so, um, that it would be, it would be a special way for him to ride. And what did they yell? Do you remember? Hosanna. They, they kept yelling, Hosanna, 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 which you'll find out in a few minutes means something totally different than hallelujah. They're, they're, they're not the, the, the same by any imagination. These people were a little confused. They weren't sure what was going on, but they were happy to see Jesus. So it, that whole putting the stuff down on the ground is getting ready. How many of you um, are having people to your house next Sunday for Easter dinner? Or how many of you are getting ready, going to somebody's house for Easter dinner, right? Do they have to get ready, do you think, for you to come? What are, the, what, what are some of the things they have to do? Yeah, go ahead, Astrid. Molly? Make the food. Set the table. And what do they usually do? If you have company at your house, what, is, what, what, what do you have to do usually if they're clean, right? So that's kind of what they're doing here. They're cleaning up. They're getting ready to welcome Jesus. And they actually, and then what always happens to the party, they also make a big mess. Right? You put all that stuff all over the place, all over the floor. When we were preparing the palms this morning, there's still a little couple of little remnants. There are all these little pieces. And I said to Josh, you better pick all of that up. Because if Robert Eisenhart walks in here right now, he's going to have a heart attack. Because there's all little pieces all over the floor. So, so we clean up to make a mess, right? And so that's kind of what Palm Sunday is. We're getting ready. We're preparing the way for Jesus to make a real mess of what we do during Holy Week. But then we recover ourselves and we praise God um, next Sunday on Easter Sunday. 
So don't be afraid of all the stuff that happens during Holy Week. It, we know that what the, the outcome is. So if that, any of that stuff scares you, don't let it scare you. Because we need to remember what happened to Jesus. But we also need to remember what Jesus did for us. And then we get to celebrate again on Easter Sunday. And, and shout that word that we're not allowed to say during Lent. Right? So we'll, we'll get ready to do that. And will you guys pray with me? We're going to do a line-out prayer, okay? Here we go. Dear God, we give thanks for donkeys, for palms, for confused people, and for praising God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You sit right there. You guys sit right there. Astrid, you can stay up here too. Astrid. 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 <laughs> Here she's getting her stuff. <laughs> so, so just one quick little explanation. I'm doing the sermon in two parts. And I told the kids earlier, the first part's about an hour and a half, and the second part's only about an hour. So we should get you out of here in good time. No, just kidding. <laughs> It's, it's, it's actually the same amount of time, it just has an interruption in it. So first I'm going to talk about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We're doing the Palm port, port portion of Palm Passion Sunday. And then I'm going to invite Annie and Astrid up to, to read the Passion Scripture for us from Luke. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna! We too often think that this is like, hallelujah! I better not say that too many times or I might get struck dead. <coughs> The crowd was shouting, hallelujah, 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 as in, they weren't, they weren't shouting that. They were instead shouting, Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, rescue us. Save us. As in, Jesus, save us. Jesus, rescue us. That's what Hosanna means. Also, did you notice in the middle of the tale of the parade of Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem, Jesus entering the city for the last time, at least Jesus knew that it was going to be the last time, even if the disciples still didn't seem to get it. Some of the details that we're told. The exact location, the suburbs of Bethpage and Bethany, suburbs of Jerusalem, at the place called the Mount of Olives, one of the hills surrounding Jerusalem, overlooking what is known as the Kidron Valley, which today is mostly a cemetery for Jewish and Muslim people. And then the ancient and holy city of Jerusalem, up on another hill on the other side of the Kidron Valley, when you come down from the Mount of Olives, as Jesus did on his way to Jerusalem, and into the Kidron Valley, you go back up into Jerusalem. It's built like a fortress. That's why they picked this piece of land to build the fortress of the holy city. Jesus did all this on a donkey, a a small, uh, young horse, not a powerful chariot. He didn't have a spear in his hand, ready to encounter anyone who would try and stop and block his way. Instead, there was this group of people, probably enlarged a little bit because it was Passover. And so there were extra people in Jerusalem who had come to celebrate with with their relatives. Think Easter dinner with a lot of people there. As Jesus prepared to re-enter the holy city, two disciples are given instructions. Go to the nearby village. As you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone tries to stop you, simply say, our Lord needs it. 
So Jesus told them to steal this horse, right? And just give it to me to ride, but we'll give it back in a few minutes. We just need to use it for a little while. He prepared completely for this day called Palm, Su- Palm Sunday, for this parade. He, he, into the city, he planned every detail. Jesus specifies exactly what type of cult he wants. In fact, the one that he wants, one that had never been ridden. Jesus specifies the exact location of the cult. Jesus provides a script for the disciples when they were borrowing the cult. The Lord needs it. Don't worry about it. We'll give it back to you. Craig Barnes, pastor, historian, and author, says, asks us, why is Jesus such a perfectionist about all this? Why doesn't Jesus just ask his disciples to find him a ride into town? And the answer comes right behind it when Barnes reminds us that Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament prophet Zechariah's foretelling of this. His prophetic telling of the long-awaited Messiah in chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9, verse 9. So after reminding us that Jesus was following the directions for his entry into the holy city in Zechariah, then Barnes finishes the thought by saying, Jesus is determined to get his arrival into town exactly right. And Luke is determined that we know every detail of the arrival of our new king. End quote. Maybe Jesus is really staging a kind of protest rally to make the point and emphasize the true reasons for his entry into Jerusalem. We also know that he wanted to be sure that all of the details came together to get the desired effect. I like to think that Jesus knew without a single doubt that the powers that be, the scribes and the Pharisees, would have a problem with, his, with this parade. And that the occupying Romans, who were not only over Jesus, but also over the Pharisees and the scribes, the occupying Romans would have even more problems with his parade. This parade caused problems because of the attention it brought to Jesus and these followers that were yelling, Hosanna, save us. So you see, the main issue, it seems, for the chief priests appears to be their own prestige. Their poll numbers, if you were, were dropping. And even though there were not pollsters or TV coverage in their day, the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees were watching the crowds and witnessed for themselves just exactly what the Roman authorities also called into question. They took exception to anyone who tried to challenge their hold on power, challenged in any way. And Jesus' parade with the crowd shouting, Save us! Save us, Jesus! Save us! Met the criteria for this kind of challenge. This kind of challenge to their power. So, while the Pharisees and scribes, the political and religious leaders in the ancient Jewish community, were worried about their status socially and politically, they also tried hard to cause Pilate to be concerned, because they knew this Roman governor was sent to maintain order and allegiance to the Holy Roman Empire at all cost including death and torture. They're getting ready to go to Pilate and accuse Jesus and charge Jesus with claiming to be a king, king of the Jews, and with stirring up the people. Both charges are likely to worry this person, Pilate, who's responsible for maintaining order, as I said, and upholding Roman rule no matter what comes. Pilate, however, seems more amused than worried. Maybe he sees through their strategy... With very sarcastic humor, Pilate sent Jesus to King Herod. 
knowing that Herod used to use, tried to use the title king of the Jews for himself and that his sons wanted to claim the title for themselves too, but they were forbidden by the, the emperor of the Roman, the, the top leadership of the Roman Empire to use it. Herod and Pilate also weren't friends. They didn't like each other, it tells, the history tells us. So this action is not intended as a courtesy between Pilate and Herod. Do you think Pilate expected Herod to be offended by this itinerant preacher accused of claiming the title that Herod himself wants? We don't know, but Herod, always the politician, plays along with the joke and sends Jesus back to the people dressed in an elegant kingly purple robe. Moreover, Herod shrewdly avoids challenging or undermining Pilate's authority by returning the accused without any comment about Jesus' guilt. Not to be outdone politically, Pilate then toys with the chief priests, telling them that neither he nor Herod found anything wrong with this guy. He wasn't guilty of anything. We can almost see Pilate waiting with curiosity for their reaction. The chief priests and the leaders of the people cry out for what? Jesus to be crucified. And then Pilate tries to change their minds, since this is not the reaction he expected. But apparently things get out of hand, and they call for Jesus' crucifixion. We should not be totally surprised at the actions of the leaders, but we are surprised that the people join in. One would have expected the crowd, the mob, the same mob that was yelling, Hosanna, 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 save us, save us, save us. The same mob, we would expect them to rally around Jesus to continue to support him. What changed their minds? How many were involved? No account tells us how large or small this crowd of people shouting Hosanna was. We're not told of their motives or their numbers. Pilate, history tells us, was a cruel and ineffective leader. Pilate seems more concerned that he lost control of the situation than caring about the life of one man. So he allows the people to decide. Mob rule. Crucify him! And he orders Jesus to be put to death because that is what the people want. In the process, Pilate makes a charade of the exact same Roman justice he is supposed to be upholding. But one thing that's certain about no one, no one is concerned about the victim, and Jesus clearly is the victim. It wasn't until after the deed is done that the crowds, who had in some way gotten caught up in the spectacle, the mob rule, then returned home and realized what they had just done in sealing the fate of Jesus and watching as Jesus is put to death. In the midst of all these power plays, Jesus just sort of fell through the cracks. It is the clear task of Christians today, and, it, and our task is to keep our attention firmly fixed on those falling through the cracks. So that is, there is someone present to watch out for their interests. And then we need to ask how we're doing. Are there still too many falling through the cracks? Jesus fell through the cracks himself so that all who believe, that's you and me, would never allow others anywhere in the world to fall through the cracks in the same way again. How do we ensure that Jesus' example will be our guide as we live out our lives and our faith without bowing to the popular culture or the political culture or the flavor of the day? As Christians, we can do this by creating safe worship spaces. We emphasize the church's life of worship. You're taking part in it right now. Thanks be to God. 
Making sure that in worship, that we always honor and praise and partake in ways that attach and graft and seal each of us to the faith community. Because there's always strength in numbers and support for each other and our faith. In other words, all activities in which human identity is elevated as persons find communion with others and with God. From that communion, that connection we create with each other, we then make sense of how the church will function in the community and the world, you know, outside the walls of this beautiful room. And how that witness will cause changes in the way the world relates to itself, how people talk to each other to get really down and basic. All these details, similar to the careful details Jesus attended to prior to his entry into Jerusalem, we too need to pay attention to and repeat those details so that we assure we are doing the best in equipping the people of God to serve the other people of God. Well then, what do you think we should be doing as we try to live out and exist in this reign of Christ? Living our lives with the example of Jesus as our guide? We should definitely rejoice in how God has created persons differently so that new meanings and identities are always possible. Jesus has taught us to act differently, to be human in such a way that we no longer crucify God in our midst. The story of Jesus' so-called triumphal entry into Jerusalem and just days later being accused and tried and killed, we are really talking about the way of God encountering the politics of the world. A big parade and a royal welcome normally reserved for an earthly king, Palm Sunday, that moves next to the way many of those same folks, because of their fear, shouting and yelling for Jesus to save them first. Those same scared people turn on Jesus when their fear gets the best of them, and they switch from save us, Jesus, to crucify him, crucify Jesus. As we again encounter the harshness that is the passion of Christ. Listen now as Annie and Astrid come forward and read the Passion of the Christ as told in the Gospel according to Luke. The Holy Gospel lesson according to Luke, chapter 23, verses 1 through 25, 32 and 38, and 44 through 49. Then they all took Jesus to Pilate and began to bring up charges against him. They said, We found this man undermining our law and order forbidding taxes to be paid by Caesar, setting himself up as Messiah King. Pilate asked him, Is this true that you're the king of the Jews? Those are your words, not mine, Jesus replied. Pilate told the high priest and the accompanying crowd, I find nothing wrong here. He seems harmless enough to me. But they were vehement. He's stirring up unrest among the people with his teaching disturbing the peace everywhere, starting in Galilee and now all through Judea. He's a dangerous man, endangering endangering the peace. When Pilate heard that, he asked, so he's Galilean. Realizing that he properly came under Herod's jurisdiction, he passed the buck to Herod, who just happened to be in Jerusalem for the few days. Herod was delighted when Jesus showed up. He had wanted for a long time to see him. He'd heard much about him, he'd hoped to see him do something spectacular. He peppered him with questions. Jesus didn't answer, not one word. But the high priests and religion scholars were right there, saying their piece, strident and shrill with their accusations. 
Mightly offended, Herod turned on Jesus. His soldiers joined in, taunting and jeering. Then they dressed him up in an elaborate king costume and sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod, Herod and Pilate became thick as thieves. Although before they had, their, had kept their distance, then Pilate called in the high priests, rulers, and the others, and said, You brought this man to me as a disturber of the peace. I examined him in front of all of you, and you, and found there was nothing to your charge. And neither did Herod, for he has sent him back to wear a clean bill of health. It's clear that he's done nothing wrong, let alone anything deserving death. I'm going to warn him to watch his death and let him go. At that, the crowd went wild. Kill him. Give, a, give us Barabbas. Barabbas had been thrown in prison for starting a riot in the city and for murder. Pilate still wanted to let Jesus go, and so spoke out again. But they kept shouting back, Crucify, crucify him. He tried a third time, but for what crime? I have found nothing in him deserving death. I'm going to warn him to watch his step and let him go. But they kept at it, a shouting mob, demanding that he be crucified, and finally they shouted him down. Pilate caved in and gave them what they wanted. He released the man thrown in prison for rioting and murder and gave them Jesus to do whatever they wanted. To others, both criminals were taken along with him for execution. When they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. The people stood there staring at Jesus, and the ringleaders made faces taunting. He saved others. Let him, let's see him save himself. The Messiah, the Messiah of God, ha, the chosen, ha. The soldiers also came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. They toasted him with sour wine. So you're the king of Jews? Save yourself. Printed over him was a sign, this is the king of the Jews. By now it was noon. The whole, the whole earth became dark, the darkness lasting three hours, a total blackout. The temple curtains split right down the middle. Jesus called loudly, Father, I, I placed my life in your hands. Then he breathed his last, his last. When the captain saw what happened, he honored God. This man was innocent, a good man, an innocent man. All who had come around to, as spectators to watch the show when they saw what actually happened were overcome with grief and headed home. Those who knew Jesus well, along with the women uh, who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a respectful distance and kept a vigil. That's, that's the word, this is the word of the Lord appropriately read to you by these wonderful young women in their testimony to Jesus' life and death. So, so you see, even though Jesus was not guilty, Jesus was killed anyway. Jesus died for you and for me. Jesus was tortured and put to death for you and for me. During this week coming up that we call holy, we get to deal with all that. During the coming Holy Week, we are called to remember, to recall, to reflect, and to be engaged. To once again hear why it's so important to speak out for the least of the world. You know, the ones falling through the cracks. 
for saying loud and clear that enough is enough, for talking truth to power, because then we're holding up our end of the deal. You see, Jesus didn't flinch in the face of death. So how can we flinch when we're called to do is care about other human beings and to seek justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God as the prophet Micah so clearly offers to you and to me. Jesus disrupts political systems with the news of God's freedom. This disruption carries no guarantees that systems will change. In reality, the way of Jesus and his disciples becomes harder and harder either because those who exercise worldly rule don't understand or because they openly oppose God's freedom and determination. Jesus does not sentimentalize discipleship following him. It is clear that discipleship then and discipleship today is a matter of duty in the face of the ups and downs that draw the line between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world ever more decisively. The people in Jesus' world faced uncertainties and doubts because of the world's situation. So do we. Jesus' world was a place where justice was for the the privileged of one kind or another. And so it seems in our world today, too. For those first century Christians, there was every reason to think that that the world was finally falling apart. Sometimes it feels like that for us, too. In the world of the gospel lesson today, the opponents of the Messiah tried to discredit Jesus by subverting what was left of of human discourse with insincerity and hate, just as it seems to be today. And so, as we prepare to again experience Holy Week, and before we return next Sunday to celebrate the miracle of Easter, let us stop, let us stop and give thanks for the radical Jesus, the one who still wants us to, who still requires us to, who still requires us to do justice for all of God's creatures, creations, and children, to love kindness loving kindness for all. And most of all, we are called to do all of this humbly with our God. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. That's pretty radical, isn't it? It's radical even in this busy city today. Amen. saying what it is we believe, this time using the words of the Apostles' Creed, a baptismal creed found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us join our voices together praying the prayer that, is, that our Lord himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Just prior to saying the benediction, I want to thank our, our friends, Mark Held and all of our friends up there playing um, for you that enhances and, and helps our worship so much. Thank you very much for your beautiful playing today. And now receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen.